Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's FizzCast here on the Fizz Radio Airwaves. Alongside Ian Unsworth, I'm John Needs, previewing two more matchups this week for the Syracuse men's basketball team, taking on Virginia tonight. little short-notice preview here for you on a Monday night. Syracuse going on the road to play Virginia at 7 tonight, and uh, followed by a game against NC State later this week. And before we even start to talk about uh, Virginia, Ian, I think we owe... Not necessarily Syracuse an apology, because I don't think anyone expected the Orange to beat Virginia Tech the way they did earlier uh, this week, a couple days ago over the weekend. I know we didn't think they would, but uh, they looked very impressive in that win against the Hokies. We certainly did not think Syracuse was going to beat Virginia Tech, but hey, pleasant surprises, pleasant surprises. I think at this point, you almost have to throw every expectation you have for Syracuse out the window. I mean... This, well, last weekend, Syracuse played with control. They got the ball inside. They weren't making threes, so they stopped shooting threes. They really worked the ball inside. Marek Dolajai stayed out of foul trouble, had an excellent game, and uh, Quincy Garrier as well. Both of those guys were in double figures. That's something you usually don't see from Syracuse, but it was a game changer, and they really forced the VT big men into some trouble because Keve Aluma, we talked so much about him, he had two fouls early in the first half, picked up four in total. So they pretty much took him out of the game, and Syracuse's big men ruled last Saturday. You could argue Aluma kept them in the game. He was their leading scorer, but like you said, no one else really stepped up from the Hokies. They shot the ball very poorly. I know we figured you know, they had a good amount of shooters, four or five guys that could consistently shoot from the, both the floor and outside, and we just didn't see that at all. And, of course, you got to give credit to Coach Beheim. Uh, the defense was just phenomenal. Guys were flying around, getting back inside after you know closing out outside, getting steals, winning the rebounds inside, and Quincy Garrier, you know, it's become the norm. He was a beast inside. He's a monster, as he would call himself, and he certainly looked the part. Yeah, that second half was probably tape that's going to be shown to high schools, to middle school teams. That's how you run a zone defense right there. Protect the middle, stop the baseline cuts, and, uh, you know, got in the passing lanes, so many turnovers in the second half for Virginia Tech, and it, it turned into a clinic at a certain point. But speaking of defense, let's let's move on to Virginia. This this is the game that I think Syracuse fans have circled on the calendar. I think Virginia fans have really circled on the calendar as well because the ACC has to shake out at a certain point for tournament time just so we can see who's at the top, who's at the bottom. Nobody really knows who the best teams in the ACC are right now. I think Virginia and Florida State are starting to separate themselves, but this isn't just a big test for Syracuse to see where the Orange are. This is a big test for Virginia as well to prove that they're the team that should be at the top of the ACC. Yeah, because... You know, they started out hot. They were ranked super high coming into the season. And then they tripped up early in the season. They lost a couple games in that uh, invitational tournament they took part in to the uh the They Dons. lost to San Francisco. Yes. San Francisco. San Fran. Yep. Yeah, they, they also lost to Gonzaga. So 10-2 on the year for Virginia. I mean, Gonzaga, obviously not a shoddy loss at all. San Francisco, that's an eyebrow raiser. 
Yeah. I mean, they, the Dons have been known to pull some upsets in recent history. Shoot, even against Gonzaga. But yeah, like I was saying, they came in. Everyone expected them to be good. They lost those two games. Then they went on the back burner for a couple weeks. You know, no one's really been paying attention to them. Louisville, Florida State kind of been taking the headlines. But here they are, number eight in the polls, number nine in Ken Palm, 10-2, and 6-0 oh in the conference. They've played six conference games. They've won them all. In fact, they've won all, you know, six in a row, obviously, six-game win streak. But some of those have been close, right? Yeah, last game, especially a 64-62 win over Georgia Tech. Kihei Clark made a game winner, and uh, GT's Jose Alvarado, who's probably one of the best point guards in the conference, missed a uh, three-pointer for Georgia Tech that could have won them the game. Uh, and obviously, like you said, John, that game went pretty under the radar. It was one sort of small you know microcosm of a very strange weekend of college basketball i think five teams last weekend lost to unranked teams including virginia tech falling to syracuse it, it was a strange one but virginia's efforts uh went pretty unnoticed i would say and this georgia tech team is good they return a lot of production but virginia at times can fall into the offensive slump that's what happens against san francisco that's what happened, of course, in the infamous loss to UMBC a couple years ago in the NCAA tournament, and that, that's the that's the Achilles heel of this Virginia team. They're really good on defense. I think we say that every year about Virginia. They're excellent on defense. You took the words out of my mouth. I mean, when you think about Virginia basketball in recent years, it's been all about the defense, and the question has been, can they score enough? Can they put up enough points? you know, to win ball games because you're going to have a hard time scoring 55, 60 points on UVA on a night-to-night -night basis. And this year, it's no different. They're 18th in Ken Palm in uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. So per every 100 possessions, they give up about 91 points, which is pretty respectable. Uh, and obviously, 100 possessions, you don't really get 100 in a game. So that's just, you know, take that for what you will. It's kind of like a game and a half. Uh, but yeah, like you said, very, very good team. One of the best in the ACC. In fact, the best defensive team in the ACC. And another thing you think about when you think of Virginia is how good they are at home in Charlottesville. Uh, what are they? 6-0 and at home. That's what it is. 6-0. and And Syracuse, on the other hand, has really struggled on the road this year. Yeah, but we got to remember, last year at John Paul Jones Arena, Buddy Bayheim hit the miraculous bank shot. They took it into overtime, and Syracuse absolutely ran the brakes off of Virginia in overtime. So I'm not sure, especially with this year, the no fans, all that sort of stuff, I'm not sure home court advantage really matters that much in this matchup especially. I think Virginia has just been playing some cupcakes at home, if we're being completely honest, because you know wins against Notre Dame, BC, and Wake Forest – are, that's not exactly an impressive six-game win streak in the ACC. Virginia has not played a Louisville, a Duke, a North Carolina yet. So I would say Virginia's pretty unproven in terms of conference wins. So so is Syracuse at a certain point, but th this is the proving ground. For both teams, I would say, honestly, yes. Uh, you said Virginia hasn't really played a solid team. They, they really haven't played a team with a pulse in the ACC. I mean, you. I guess you could throw Clemson in there if you wanted to. Maybe they're on the fringe. No, Clemson, Clemson came back from a, a COVID pause and played Virginia, which is just absolutely sentencing yourself. Virginia was up, I think, they were up 30-5 to five or something. Like, Clemson barely scored 20 points in the first half of that game. Like, it, it was an absolute bloodbath. So back to the... 
yeah, back to the proving yourself thing. So that obviously put an asterisk by that Clemson win, I suppose. Usually a good Tigers team, you know, when they're, you know, not dealing with COVID problems and all that. But for Syracuse, it's a great chance to prove themselves as well. Yes, you picked up a win against a ranked team at home in Virginia Tech. Yes, you did that. But you're 1-3 on the road, and you're 0-3 against Quad 1. Virginia, one of two uh, Quad 1 teams in the ACC. This is a very good opportunity for Coach Beheim to reintroduce this Syracuse basketball team, this 2020-2021 team. And, you know, make some notice. This is this is the game that will get national reporters tweeting about Syracuse, putting Syracuse in their top 25. This is the time for Syracuse to show out. Let's get some to some of these players to watch. For Virginia, it's pretty much a big three this year. Obviously, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome are in the league. Um, you know, who else was on their team last year? Bre- uh, Key, Arden Key is gone. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm trying to think. That that might be the only oh, Diakite. Mamadi Diakite is also yep. gone. Yep. But they they brought in this guy named Sam Hauser, transfer from Marquette. He sat out last year, and he's he's their leading scorer. 14.5 points this year, 7.5 rebounds, shooting 41% from three. And that's where Hauser makes the biggest impact on the floor as a spacer and as a three-point shooter. He's a big dude, plays the forward spot, 6'8", 6'9", and he loves to step out behind the arc and just bang them. UTA, UVA excuse me, was down 11 points at halftime against Georgia Tech, but they went on a 15-2 run in which Hauser made three threes in a row absolute momentum changer this guy is he's not he's not a kind of player where you throw him the ball let him go but he hits big shots and he is a guy with an absolute strap behind the arc Uh, definitely a shot in the arm for this Cavs team because if you don't have Hauser this year I'm not sure where you turn if you're you know Tony Bennett Virginia's head coach that was a very good pickup for them in the transfer market of course they had to wait a year to get to utilize him but yeah he's been very good for this team 14 and a half points about eight rebounds per game and he shoots it very well from outside the arc and his brother he had a brother I believe uh, go to Michigan State correct yeah Joey Hauser Sam's twin brother I believe goes to Michigan State they both transferred from Marquette. Yeah, so both very good teams. And then, uh, of course, Virginia has some good guard play year after year. I'll let you cover Clark. Uh, and obviously, Jay Huff has been a you know a, a mainstay for this Virginia team over the years. Just a force to be reckoned with inside. Now, he doesn't have his partner in crime, Diakite, this year, like we said. But Huff is definitely a dominant force. Syracuse will have to you know, game plan around this year. Yeah, and Huff has gotten even better. Uh, it's 13 points, six rebounds, two and a half blocks. We saw how much trouble he caused for Syracuse last year in the opener because when neither offense could do anything, he pretty much sat in the paint and hoovered up offensive rebounds. That's the issue here. If Syracuse and Virginia get into another rock fight, Huff will be the difference. However, he also has spent some a decent amount of time, I would say, outside the arc. They love to give him the ball straight away, top of the key, and just let him work. Which is, which is interesting, especially considering he's a seven-foot center, but it won't be happening against the zone. If Huff, if Huff pops out, that's good for Syracuse because that means easy defensive rebounds, something the Orange need. Uh, let's, let's get to the guards. You mentioned Kihei Clark. I think everybody uh, you know, in the 315 knows him at this point. Super short, but super pesky on the ball. Very good assist man, and he hit that game winner against Georgia Tech. He's been taking more and more of a role in the offense this year. Couple more names to throw at you guys. Not nothing deep on these guys, but just to keep an eye out for Reese Beekman, freshman guard, recently took over in the starting lineup. He was really nice in high school from Baton Rouge. 
Uh, he played in a lot of showcase games. This Reese Beekman knows what a big game is. He's not. He's obviously not fully developed, but he knows what the big game is. Then there are other starter Trey Murphy the third. He's listed as a guard, but he's six nine. He does a lot of the little things, and he might he might be one of those you know random random name. Not somebody you're gonna think of off the top of your head, but he he could you know stab the orange in the side with the little things that he does on the floor. And then one more guy I would throw in there who's not a huge contributor here, but he chips in every now and then. He actually had 15 against Notre Dame a couple games ago. Casey Morcel, sophomore guard from Maryland, 6'3", 195. Looks like he comes off the bench for Virginia and gives him some minutes, and he could score in a couple different ways. So that's one more guy to look out for as well for the Cavs. I think we're about ready to move on. Actually, you know what? Let's give our score predictions beforehand. Uh, yeah, we got to get those. I'm thinking 65-60 Virginia, super close game. Um, I'm I'm not sure Syracuse is going to be able to play at their pace, though. That's that's the difference here. The last couple of games, Syracuse against Virginia Tech against Miami has really gotten out, ran in transition because they can get easy defensive rebounds. I'm not sure that's the case uh, today. Okay. I don't know. It's just I feel kind of confident. I don't know why. Uh, man, because they, you know, they got it done last year, obviously different rosters, different teams. And I did like the way they played against Virginia Tech. But that the, the thing with this team, Ian, and it, we both know this has been consistency. They play very nice one game. They play very bad one game. Then they come back and do the opposite. Man. If, if the shooting isn't there, I think we can both agree. If the shooting isn't there for Syracuse, it might be lights out. Yeah. I think the safest thing would be to pick Virginia. But same with you would say it's a close game between five and seven points just because they're undefeated at home. They have been untested, but uh, they all are, they're, they're very good, both offensively and defensively. So I, I'll say Virginia, man, 63, 57, something like that. Yeah, I don't think this game gets over 70 points. Uh, if, you're, if you're a betting man and you're into the over-unders, don't think either team gets over 70 points. And I think there's some guys on that Virginia sideline looking for revenge. Let's move on to NC State, 6 p.m. on Sunday. Interesting tip-off time there. 6 p.m. on ACC Network, Syracuse and North Carolina State. Uh, North Carolina State's had some issues with COVID. They've had two separate pauses this season. They had two games postponed last week due to positive tests. So they didn't play, I guess, two weekends ago, didn't play midweek, and then came out last Saturday and lost to UNC, who they had beaten earlier in the year. Uh, and they're, they're on a bit of a slide, which would make sense since you're going through COVID, all that sort of stuff. Uh, before the NC State game, they lost three straight to Clemson, Miami, and Florida State. Those are pretty decent, I would say, ACC opponents, certainly better than the 6-0 and that Virginia put up. But NC State is, presents a different type of challenge, I would say, than Virginia does. Probably absolutely the opposite. Why do you say that, Ian? Because... Virginia is always known for their defense, and North Carolina State plays extremely fast. They have one of the worst defenses in the ACC. Opponents are shooting 47% from the field against the Wolfpack, but they're scoring 77 a game, which is fourth best in the ACC. North Carolina State wants to play track meets. They want to get up and down the floor, run in transition. The guards pressure you. They're pesky. They force 17 turnovers a game. So North Carolina State's going to try to run, 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 and that served that served Syracuse well. That's the pace the Orange like to play, but it's a different sort of challenge because you get too you get too up tempo, you get out of control, 
and sloppy play happens. We've seen it before this year. I would, yeah, I would agree with you. I think Syracuse is better when they're running and gunning. Their half-court offense isn't great. It just kind of looks like one-on-one hooking up shots and stuff. I think that does suit the Orange well when it gets out, kind of a track meet like that. Now, when they can set up their defense, that's another story. I think they're a lot better when they can set up defensively. But like you said, against the Wolfpack, it appears that won't be the case. And Syracuse really, though they do score a lot of points, isn't a team where you know you can expect 75-80 on a night-to-night basis. It's kind of just been 90 here, 70 here, 80 here, 60 there. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, I, I think you're right. You, you go from a tough Virginia team that likes to play slow, you know, they value every possession, they test you defensively, to an NC State team that's kind of just all over the place. They try to just outscore you. I think that definitely does present a challenge going from that game to the next. It's really going to be on the guards. Virginia, I think every everybody's got to step up, of course, if you want to be the top 10 team. But in this North Carolina State game, the focus is going to be on Joe Girard, Buddy Bayheim and Kadari Richmond, especially because Richmond has had had a couple turnover issues, not not many, I would say. But he's he's a freshman, of course. He's still getting used to conference basketball, and against pesky guards like UNC, excuse me, NC State has that like to you know pester the ball, get up in your face, get in these passing lanes. There there's no room to take a possession off, and when the tempo's fast, when you're breathing hard. You want to take possessions off. That's that's going to be a real struggle. I was going to bring up Kadari Richmond as well because the way he's been playing recently, he's been able to come off the bench and give you some minutes. He's not a great shooter, but he's a great distributor. He's obviously very good defensively, so he could be a key piece for this team. And we've seen him in game after game get out after it and transition uh, off the turnovers, off the steals, whether it's him going to the rack or dishing it. So I think Kadari could be an X factor in that game, like you said. It's, it's going to come down to ball security. Uh, John, you know the old football expression, right? What's that? Ball security is job security. And for Joe Girard and Kandari Richmond, it might mean whoever can turn the ball over less gets some PT. We talked a lot about the NC State guards, and Devon Daniels and Braxton Beverly are a nice, I would say, a nice pairing in the backcourt. Daniels is the Wolfpack's leading scorer, 16 points. Uh, averaging on the year four assists, 1.8 steals, which is, I believe, fourth best in the ACC. It's it's up there. Sounds about right. But yeah. it's they these dudes are handsy. Like they get everywhere. They're they're not necessarily. Daniels is six six. He's long. He's lanky. He's all over the place. Beverly's smaller. He's six foot. Remember Ryan McMahon from Louisville last year? Kind of reminds me of Ryan McMahon. Uh, he's a 40% three-point shooter. He made his 200th career three against UNC, and he's a pest as well, 1.7 steals. So between the two of these guys, you're getting four steals a game. And if you're converting your transition opportunities, that leads to at least 10, 11, 12 points. Like, that's that's an easy game-deciding thing right there. Small stuff, but it's big when you get it from your guards. Right, and getting out in transition, causing those turnovers, getting those steals are what spark runs. And obviously, basketball, lacrosse, game of runs usually start with those turnovers or are uh, emphasized with those turnovers, if you will. You start out, get a steal, go down the floor, put up a layup. That's a 2 nothing, you know, run, and then you start building off of that. That's how these things get started. So definitely dangerous. Again, they average about 9.5 per game as a team. So the onus is going to fall upon Syracuse, like Ian said, and the guards to take care of the basketball. 
Yeah, but in terms of going back to Daniels, that's kind of where we started here. It's It's been a little all over the place, but back to Daniels, he's their guy. He's their late cl- late shot clock. You know, if, if, if there's three seconds on the shot clock, they're giving it to him and saying, do something. He's really good at getting in the paint off the wing, which might not work against Syracuse. We talk about all these things. Oh, this player does this. This player does that really well, but it all changes against the zone. Daniels only shoots 31% from three this year. He's only shooting 31% from three this year. That's going to have to change against Syracuse. He's not going to be able to, you know, do a couple crossovers and shimmy his way way into the lane against UNC. And that first half against the Tar Heels, Daniels kept them in it by just getting in the paint, causing havoc, and then they just got outsized, which it seems like UNC is going to do to most teams in the ACC. But if Daniels isn't on might be a struggle for NC State. And what NC State does have if he's off is another guy. Every team in the ACC seems to have one player, aside from Syracuse, I guess you could say Quincy Gary, that can get in the, you know, he defends well on one end of the floor under the rim and then gets after it in the offensive glass. And the guy I'm talking about is Manny Bates, 6'11", 230-pound forward. He has 34 blocks this season. That's obviously the best on the team, far and away. The next closest guy has four. And then as far as rebounding goes, 23 offensive rebounds this year leading the team. So they're going to have an inside presence as well that Syracuse will have to deal with, kind of like, you know, Virginia has Jay Huff. But unlike UNC and Pitt with Champagny and some other guys, this is only one player that Syracuse will have to deal with, I think. And that's, you know, it's better than having three or four monsters to deal with down low at a time instead of one. So I think that's doable. Yeah, the other thing with Bates is he's still coming off of an ankle injury. He played against UNC, but he I don't think he was, he didn't, he didn't start, number one. And it did seem like he was 100%. So he'll, he'll be good to go against Syracuse. I don't, I don't think he'll be out, but he might still have a minutes restriction or have to, you know, come off the bench. So that that's big for Syracuse. And if we're being completely honest, Syracuse doesn't get in the paint that much anyway. Though at least the guards don't. It's all just Garrier and Dolajai either working their way to the rim or getting put back. So if Garrier or Dolajai is matched up one-on-one with Bates, it could be a different story because a lot of his shot blocks are on weak side help where he just kind of comes over and swats away a shot that's already coming up from a player that's driving in. Um... That's kind of beside the point, though. Bates will still be effective, obviously, and he'll be the tallest player on the floor, which is an automatic advantage. In terms of other, other, I guess, guys to watch for NC State, DJ Funderburk and Jericho Helms are very versatile. They're both averaging around 12 points, 5 boards, and they have very similar games. Funderburk's like a pick-and-roll big. He's 6'8", 6'9", and he's, he's pretty agile. He's very agile, very quick can slice to the rim with the best of them. Helms is nice in the pick and pop. He shoots a really nice mid-range and also can isolate, go one-on-one. And uh, he's he's 6'8", too. He's bigger than Alan Griffin. If he gets on the wing with Griffin, the post-up should be an advantage for Helms. And same thing with Funderburg, 6'8", 6'9". Th- these guys will go at it with Garrier, with Griffin all day on the baseline, at the free throw line. It'll just be about who's more physical because these these dudes have skill but they can get out muscle. 
And I'm kind of intrigued by Helms too, just the way you said he has a mid-range game, a pick-and-pop game. He can also hit from downtown. He's 37.5% this year, 12 of 32. That's not terrible. He could potentially spread the floor against this team and open up some space down low, perhaps for Bates if he plays or whatever the deal is there. But yeah, the NC State team has a good mix, I think, of guards and forwards, three or four of them that can really play. So. Yeah, Helms definitely intriguing as a guy, you know, in the next level, his size, his shooting ability, those kind of attributes really help you in terms of getting into the league. But this is going to be a close matchup. It's going to be close. I think it's going to be neck and neck, breakneck pace sort of thing. Whichever team makes more threes will win. I think whenever you talk about transition games, that sort of stuff, threes are huge because we know both teams are going to get layups and we know there are going to be some tough half-court buckets scored. Both teams will be tired. The pace is high, the pace is high you're tired in the half-court. That's how it works. And if Daniels isn't on, Syracuse wins. If Syracuse is breaking from three, North Carolina State should run away with this game. But it's going to be super close. And... Here's the thing. We've been so we've talked about the Syracuse inconsistency, right? If Syracuse comes out and has a bad day from deep against Virginia, they'll probably flip it on its head and then come out and make, you know, 15 out of 23s against NC State. So I'm taking Syracuse to win this one 77-68. Okay. Another thing, the Wolfpack 0-4 on the road this year, and Syracuse are welcome to the Carrier Dome for this game. So that could play a factor as well, much like Syracuse has struggled on the road this year. So, uh, But I agree, and I think this is kind of like the Virginia Tech matchup. NC State has some good shooters. You know, I think they're led by their offense. We've said they can force turnovers and do some different things. But I think Syracuse will either bounce back from a Virginia loss, which is what we're predicting, or they'll just keep rolling. But either way, I think Syracuse wins this ball game by 10. Uh, somewhere like, I'll say 81-71, something of that nature. Um, but yeah, just exactly like we saw how they played against Virginia Tech. They shut them down with the threes and the outside shooting. I think they do it again. It- it's the same sort of thing. Virginia Tech is a really good basketball team with no excellent player. North Carolina State's kind of the same way. These guys that we highlighted, they're good, but they're not all world. And to take to beat Syracuse, especially when they're playing like they did last Saturday, you need at least one guy that's going to go all world and score a boatload of points. Well, there you have it for Ian Unsworth and John Eads. That's going to wrap up our previews here. So we have Syracuse once again going 1-1 one one this week. It all starts tonight on the road in Charlottesville against Virginia, number 8 in the country. That game's at 7 on ESPN, followed by a home game for the Orange later this week against NC State at 6 on Sunday against the Wolfpack. They are 6-5. and five. Be sure to check us out at Orange Fizz on Twitter. We'll be covering the game tonight. And we'll have articles going up and thoughts, you know, reactions. Ian's mailbag will be up there through the week. And we'll be covering both of the games, Virginia and NC State, of course. And hit us up uh, online, orangefizz.net, for all the articles and everything of that nature. But thank you so much once again for listening. For Ian Unsworth, I've been John Eads. As always, go Orange. <laughs>